You're listening to Green Possible, where being free makes being green possible. I'm your host I, and the show starts in. Hi, Dale. Welcome to my chat.、Oh, thanks for having me on, I.、Uh, and so I'd like to first share how I found you.、Uh, you, I, you're. An admin for many Telegram channels I follow, and I I notice you because you always、uh, when you ban spammers, you always put out really funny、uh, GIF, the animated GIF. I think usually. Usually, I I like to have a little fun with it. If you don't have a little fun with it, it it just becomes a chore. That's true, and. And just so you know, the rest of us also enjoys looking at them. <laughs> oh yeah, spammers are annoying. Yeah,、uh, one question: if they, what their life purpose is. <laughs> but,、um, but the the thing that was most、uh, and anyway, I I followed you to Bones Tech Garage、uh, on Telegram. Uh, would you talk about、uh, why you have that? And oh, why Bones Tech Garage is there? Yeah, why do you have? Why is that? Why did you? How are you related to it? And why? How was it started? And all that. Okay,、uh, Bones started、um, Slam and Bones started the Tech Garage back in probably November of last year. It started out as a hobbyist channel. And he's good with、uh, small electronics, and he had originally started the channel to do that. But one of the more popular topics has become smartphones and how to get rid of the operating systems and replace them. Okay, and so I, I'm guessing there's、uh, core members in there.、Uh, what kind of qualities? Is necessary, and and is it? Did you find them? You know, do you know them personally? How how does one become like the backbone of that channel? Um, well, there's Slam and Bones. He's the owner. He's not around much, so I'm the co-owner. I end up taking care of the channel. I provide the news and just its general direction. You have others like、uh, Mr. Deplorable, Graphene Goat,、uh, John Kolak, and they're the techs. They answer people's questions about phones. We also have an international member, a hundred monkeys, who is from Australia, who operates out of the channel to help Australia get away from big tech. Wow. And、okay. there's one more member who is familiar with the spammer patterns, how to operate Rose. And she mainly just takes care of、uh, spammers and things. Okay, and、um, so I guess officially, what kind of help do you offer? We offer in- help on smartphones for changing the operating systems, suggesting new、uh, apps for them, as you can't use the Google ones too well.、Mm-hmm. We also offer basic Linux help. We have a very diverse audience in their skill level, so we try and、uh, put a little out there for beginners, a little bit more for the advanced crowd. 
And we also have some retailers or resellers who also offer the products for phones, the computers, and other things like that. Oh, okay. And and one thing about Telegram that confused me uh, when I first joined is that there's a difference between channel and group, which is usually means chat room. Uh, How does that work? So channel just puts out news, right? News post or whatever. Yeah, that's pretty much all the channel is really for is anything you want to get out there. And the channel is visible from the internet. Oh. If If you were to sit there and find us in a web browser, you would find our channel there. But the chat group is private and is not broadcast to the internet. So you can't see the chat uh, unless you do what? Most people will, uh, if there's a little setting up there that if you right click three dots and go down and join discussion is how you enter the group. We don't have any limitations on that. There are groups that you have to ask permission or there are various steps to be invited to certain groups. It's, it's configurable. So, so you either, you can also join just by replying to a post, right? On the channel, right? For... Um, that actually does not work. You, you oh. will not see some of the responses in the chat group. Okay, so it's best to, to join. Yes, it, it's best to join if you need help with something. If you just want to comment on one of the articles that's placed up, that's fine. It will come right. into the chat room so that everybody else can see it and respond to it. But you have to reply to it in order to be seen. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> it has been so long, I don't remember what it's like. So, um, so and then and then in the chat room, it, bots are famous for kicking people out, or you know. So what? And also, the admin decides if this this uh, person is doing things that's uh, not good for the for the chat room. So, what are the rules and etiquettes that people should know? It's really basic stuff that everybody, you know, we're adults. We should know that, you know, we don't start fights with each other. You know, simple rule one. That's pretty much rule in any chat room you're going to find. Rule two is the political posts. We don't care for them. We've got a lot of people with a lot of different beliefs and a lot of people they follow who might not get along with each other. And we'd prefer (laughs) just not to have that dragged into the chat group. We're there to help people with their tech, not debate the finer points of politics. Right. And it it models the purpose of the channel. Yes. Okay. And the third, the third, there is one more. Okay. We, we like to ask that people do not criticize people that have advertised for us. This will include channels like Jeff Pro, um, Ron, Code Monkey Z, uh, We the Media, Kenko of the Great. You know, there's a lot of people who have advertised for us before, and we just ask that the people not criticize their channels in our channel. Oh, okay, okay. And it's, it's just how- it's a business courtesy. I see, because people people refer you on their channel. And so, okay, I get it. Okay. 
Um, so I'm guessing it's safe when when uh, I put up the link for the podcast. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. So um, I asked you here to talk about uh, how to keep our data safe. And mm-hmm. so I guess it would be good to for people to know uh, what your background is as far as tech goes. I've been in IT since I was about 20 years old. Actually, I probably started even sooner than that, but I consider that the training phase. Most of, most oh. techs, the way they get started in this business is they get their get their first computer and they blow it up somehow. <laughs> uh, they mess up the operating system or break something and they've got to call somebody and they just enjoy the process and want to be part of it. That's how I got in. I'd originally bought my first computer for myself back in 1998 mm-hmm. and just have been in technology since. It's what I went to college for. And while I was in college, I operated a side business that was mainly geared towards the elderly. Because a lot oh. of shops, they kind of tend to take advantage of people. And I didn't right. care for that. I thought it was right. a pretty slimy thing to do. Did you have, did you build them computer or just pick ones that works better for them? Um. Well, mostly they would bring them to me with problems. Hardware ah. was kind of more difficult to work with. Now, ah. if they needed something that, and they wanted something recommended, I could build it for them. I do know how to assemble them. Uh-huh. And I would, I would do that for family members, anybody, really. Did you have to teach them how to use computer too? Yes. Okay. Actually, that's one of the things that kind of actually started hurting my business. Is I, taught, I taught people how to use them a little too well. They never needed me. Well, I, I, um, I, my first guest on the channel is actually a person who does computer tutoring. Mm-hmm. So his his uh, story is very similar. He started with helping people, and mm-hmm. then one day someone is becoming ungrateful. <laughs> so so he's like wait a minute why am i doing this and so he started charging them for his time and he actually got more respect after that so you know and also he was older so if you're that young maybe sometimes people are not as respectful as they should be with you mm-hmm. i don't know I, I had that experience running something when I was younger. So um, um, I've never you... really dealt with the difficult customers. Most of the people who have brought it to me, it did not work when they brought it to me. They were real happy to have it back. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so, and so since we're here to talk about data privacy, are there, what are the most shocking things you you uh, heard or experienced uh, with people when it comes to data privacy? Um, Probably the absolute lack of concern over it. That is the one thing that concerns me the most. Do you have like an example? Oh, today, 
or was it yesterday, I had an article out that Microsoft's tool for giving them customer feedback was hacked. Mm. And this is Microsoft's own tools so that <laughs> their customers can communicate with them and they're unsecure. They're easily broken. And now there's a bunch of people out there who are going to get phishing emails and get their login credentials stolen by using something that should have been secure. Oh, I don't think people know the second part of it. They just thought, they probably just think, so what? But then they didn't know that their personal information is, is taken. Yeah. And this stuff, and with Microsoft, this happens all the time. All the time. Uh, like There's, from from way back when too, right? Not oh yes, it's been this way for the last 30 years of Microsoft. We used to, in at Best Buy, when I worked there, we used to use something called ERD Commander that would break people's passwords and open the system to us so we could reset it. Oh my God. <laughs> you can't do that with a Linux system. It just oh, doesn't wow. work. Yeah. That is how insecure it is. And it's not secure by default. There are things you can do to strengthen it a little bit, but it doesn't help a whole lot. Wow. Okay. I, I basically just don't trust them. So, and I don't they want to give them to money. Yeah. And so. And everybody thinks, oh, they're easy to use. That's why we stick with them. Well, that ease of use, that's costing you. Your data is all over the internet because Microsoft doesn't care. Yeah, a lot of people don't care. I had that. Yeah. <laughs> and with as high as the stakes are currently politically for everybody and how much how much division there is, people being targeted, do you really want to give out your information that easily? It's and go ahead. That's where another part of it comes into is shouldn't you be taking steps to try and not be a target? And I, I'm guessing most people would, would react to that as, um, well, I don't know how to do it. And, and which may be an excuse of, I really don't want to do it. it. There are a number of reasons, like I don't want to do it. I don't like change. And we totally get it. We do. It, you, uh, you'd ask me offline that if uh, how long I'd been using Linux. Mm -hmm. Only about a year. I'd been trained in Microsoft products for pretty much most of my career. Wow, I, I'm 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 surprised totally. I thought you're you're like super experienced. There's not a lot of difference in procedure. Uh huh. So basically, just knowing what you can do with Linux and how to do it is the trick, right? Not a lot of the concepts are the same because it's computer anyway. Yes, it's it's not it's not as hard as everybody makes it out to be if you already understand how the computer thinks. And computer don't think that much. 
it's it's you who does the thinking and so that leaves the hole for people to come in and take over so you know and and i'm guessing that learning linux it's more it's uh as as uh well welker another guest on my podcast always says you you gotta be responsible and if you give that away then you give the power away which meaning you you basically open up your safe, your data safe, and let people take whatever they want. And you, sometimes you don't even know, and 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 you're paying for them to take your stuff away, which is so ridiculous. It's um, I was reading something. It's kind of old. This was back in 2014, and Google was making about seven hundred dollars selling the information of, of one of their Gmail customers. And that seemed to be kind of an average for them. Wow. That that should be your money. If you're going to give out your information, you have to charge people for it. Well, I don't want any money. Yeah, it just no selling my data, please. That that's that's my And that thinking. that should be a right. That should oh. be everybody's right to for that. But that's not how things run, so now we have to defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. So um, we talked about, because I was confused uh, for a long time about data security and data privacy. Mm-hmm. So so to me, data privacy meaning, uh, for example, when I go on a browser, you, you can't tell what I'm reading. Or when I, um, and, you know, it's not more of you, you, uh, the sites can't tell, how do I say that? I don't want them to know who I am and what I'm looking at. Mm, so, this is the difference between anonymity and privacy. There right. is a difference. There, and, and it's like no way of being invisible, really, because you are the one who's, who is making the contact, right? Well, let's give a good example here. You're paying your, your electric bill online. Well, the electric company knows who you are. Your bank knows who you are. And they're going to know who you are. That's Amenity is just not really to be expected. Privacy is they can know who you are, but they won't know what you're doing. Okay, unless they have to know, like, you know, when you're paying your bill and stuff. Yes. And, and, and go ahead. The current, the current thing with David privacy is that's hard, too, because they're actively trying to work against it. Extra How? steps like get it switching to Linux, using VPNs, all of these things kind of help out with hiding your traffic from those who'd be selling it, snooping on it, and whatever nefarious purpose they have. Hmm, I like to get more, how do I say that? What, huh? What exactly happens when you don't do that? I guess it's a broad thing, but... um, It is. uh, How do I ask this question? 
the most basic thing would be searching online, I guess. So actually, no. No, what's most the most basic, basic thing? Is your operating system? Oh, how 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 is that? Mm, I well, before I found uh, Linux and stuff, you know, I, I didn't realize that. So explain how your operating system it, is Windows leaks. It also spies itself. There is telemetry, which is your app usage, your IP. Oh. Microsoft Windows leaks. It leaks back to Microsoft is what it does. They monitor your app usage. They monitor your uh, activity online. They do all of that. They could probably, can they see what you're doing in your app? Yes, probably. they have access to the back door of the operating system. We don't know what's in there. We don't oh. know. We don't know. It's scary when you think about it. And Dr. Richard Stallman had pointed out that there are certain registry keys that may belong to three-letter agencies. Oh, okay. So there um, are back doors built in. I'm going to assume the same thing for uh, Chrome and uh, iOS and, and other OS's <laughs> like from, well, from Apple. Right. Apple from... is starting to become more intrusive as time progresses. Google Google is a huge concern. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, I, I realize that. Um but so the first thing to do is actually uh put Linux on your computer and take out other OSs, right? Yes. And um, for people who are new to this thinking or the way of using your computer, uh, I'll have, you know, if you look on my past episode, there's a few of the uh, people I interviewed, they, had, they knew nothing about Linux really when they switch over. Uh, so uh, what I, I noticed that the traits seems to be personal trait to, to be successful is people who are just, you know, I don't care what I have to do, but I just have to switch. And so I was saying tenacity and, and persistence and, and you know, a, a very clear goal of protecting your own privacy is essential yes. to get you over the hump, I guess. So, because once you install one machine, you, you would be, you, it'll be so much easier after that. Do you agree? Yes. It usually goes a lot quicker. Right. And so... My first week on Linux was spent on Linux Mint like everybody else. It just, I hit the ground running because I was like, okay, this is not any different. The bigger thing about Linux is it's more secure and it's by default more secure. And that's and because? Just the way it was designed. Okay, because it, it mm, everything you do is... I guess isolated from the other. Is that what I'm? Am I understanding yes. that correct? Okay. Yes. Versus... Everything is 
tighter in permissions. Okay. And in a and Windows it's... system, it's installed default is wide open. You can tighten it through something called group edit, but that only does so much. In Linux, it's already set up so that you don't use a root user account and that you just have a normal user who doesn't access the critical parts of the system. So if anybody breaks your user account, you're not really in a bat in as bad a position. Hmm. But those are extremely rare circumstances on a Linux computer because of the extra security measures involved. Yeah, so usually the first thing I tell people do to do is is to uh, enable your firewalls. Um, actually, actually, this the biggest one is password security. Oh, Pass, passwords need to be long and unique. That is normally how most people end up getting getting themselves in trouble. <laughs> is the passwords? Oh, I, I better work on that <laughs> because so wait a minute, I have a. a so okay, so once you have it going, mm-hmm. do you? Because it's painful to have super long password when you are just starting to get used to using Linux because you, you're doing something over and over again <laughs> to fix some some you know well, bugs. If you're doing things in the command line, usually it'll ask you once and it'll treat it as if you keep entering the password, so it's not that bad. But it can get a little annoying at times. Right. But here's so, what I end up doing for a yeah. long password is to yeah. write it down on a piece of paper. Paper can't be hacked. You're right. Right. So, but then my next question would be, do I, is it a good idea to have auto login once you have it going? Like, so auto you don't have to, in, like, you, login? Like, like right now, I actually have to type in password every time I turn my mm-hmm. computer on. And, but there's the option of not having to do it. Is that a good idea? Am I, do I make sense? I'm not sure I can completely answer that as I've never done that before. Because, okay, so you're, you're, you always want to lock in. You want to, to ask for lock in when you turn on your computer. Yes. Okay. I, I'm kind of assumed even if a bad password, even with a bad password, that's a good option, you know, to not the, be, to, to have to lock in every time. Well, let's, let's, let's give this as an example of a parent. You've got small children, right? Right. Well, what happens if you don't have a password? Your children can get into your machine and start messing around. Right. Right. Oh, I never thought of that. Okay. Okay. And if you have something you haven't saved in a while and it gets... Yeah, Uh... there's just lots of things that can go wrong with that. So that's, right. for me, it's a preference. I've never used it. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of guessing having a password. I mean, I, I don't ever, I don't, uh, my laptop is, like all my computers never leaves my house. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of guilty in making simple password, but it's not like, it's not as simple as one, two, three, four, five, of course. 
or password or something you can guess you easily. So there was something I, I was reading that had a breakdown of how many digits, letters, and other combinations, and how long it takes to break. Yeah. And right around 13 letters, capital letters, lowercase, numbers, symbols, takes about 202,000 years for a computer to break. Okay. And those words, hmm. And if you're just using numbers and letters, it takes literally two days, and that's it. Yeah, and I have heard that you could actually, even if you use uh, dictionary words, if you have mm-hmm. long enough password, it's hard to break too. Of course, you want to yes. make some numbers and symbols in it, but... There's a great deal of math behind it that, that goes into how that works. Mm-hmm. So, and so for computer, uh, what do you, I mean, even on Linux, what do you suggest people to do? As far as or to, to, hmm, wait a minute. Let's start with, let's, I'm guessing pe- most people would not have Linux computer. What should they do right now before they are able to switch or have the courage to switch? Do some research. The and... other thing to do is if you are preparing to move to Linux, research out certain distributions there are certain ones that are very specialized so they have one specific purpose and they're not really for everyday use Mm -hmm. that's why you'll see us recommending mint and butu because these are all general purpose yeah and if you're a mac user zorin zorin looks like a mac so uh... yes It it, it depends on what environment you're coming from Mm-hmm. So if you're more comfortable in a Mac environment, something like uh, Ubuntu Budgie would work if they still have that. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, they do. I, I don't like it, though. Uh, I think I think Mac user would be happy with Pop or Zorin, but I have recently, not recently, but I've been using Ubuntu the latest for a while, and I can. it's very easy to make it look like my not perhaps not the way icons look but where things are like uh i have a uh task bar i think that's how you call it at the bottom of the screen and i have all my desktop folders on one side and that's how i set up my mac and and i could do it i don't have to install any kind of stuff to make ubuntu 22.04 look like the way I have it laid out on my Mac. I don't really care if the if the color or whatever looks like Mac. I just want it to be where I'm used to finding things. It's so, probably why I'm partial to the KDE desktop, the Plasma, because it looks more like Windows. So I'm used to how it works, and I don't have to think about what I'm doing Right. when searching for things. I kind of already know what they are. So, and just for people who don't know Linux, um, that you could choose, you can choose distribution and, and choose a tr- 
and you can also choose the desktop, which means what it looks like and how mm -hmm. you place things. There are so, customization options to it. Lots of them. So um, the good thing about Linux distro is you can you can get it on a USB, and mm -hmm. that's how you install it. And you try and you can try any things you any anyone try it. You really need to try it, otherwise you would yes. be. We definitely unhappy. recommend trying out the live boot. Yeah. I, I thought yeah. when I first saw that in Linux, I was like, wow, it allows you to try it before you put it in, before it makes system changes. Yeah, and you so, really do want to because, like, my computers are old. So you want to make sure. And the, I heard the older ones are easier, um, but then I don't know. I think Pop does Pop OS works better on new computers. Um, so you really need to try it. Make sure you check your sound and, and Wi-Fi and all that stuff out. Uh, Pop OS is more companion to the System76. Right. They have it as a distro that you can install and use on any computer, but it really runs probably its absolute best on a System76. So, and System76 is a Linux computer out of the box, so... Uh, you know, because I'm saying all this because I'm assuming most people don't know no, they don't. about Linux. Um, so to keep uh, our computer, so for for Windows or uh, Mac users right now, I guess the best thing you could do, hmm, at least be, have a VPN, but that's kind of, you don't know which VPN to trust. So <laughs> VPNs are a difficult discussion. There's been a yeah. lot of flux in that market with mm -hmm. with a big company buying them all up. So what we've been recommending for that for VPN is to host your own. Is to get right. a virtual private server and put a and to build it yourself. It's completely doable. Okay, so that comes the the question I usually have in here. So how can we trust a VPS because it's hosted somewhere? Um, how do you, how can, hmm. I mean, let's say that somebody actually physically got to that, uh, the hosting site. Uh, they got to the hard drive that's holding your VPS. Oh. That kind of security. Um, that's that's it, like that's this is actually true for personal computing just as much as it is anything else. If if a person who is trying to break into your system has physical access, it is a whole lot easier. Okay, so and that's very that's more unlikely to happen because it's, extremely it's, unlikely. It's it's probably hard to get in. <laughs> So, so let's say for remote uh, attack or attempt, mm -hmm. how is VPS safer? I mean, can I guess the general question usually is, uh, can the people who offer you services get to your VPS to do something or to peek into what you have on there? 
theoretically, yes, they can do that, but it wouldn't be good for their business if they made a habit out of that because then you wouldn't trust them anymore. They're very much and, a trust-based business. And what what about, because uh, if you do a VPS, you're usually putting a uh, Linux server uh, on it, right? You're using yes. usually you configure it into Linux server, and yes. with that, how how is it safe? How do I say that? Uh, explain to people why that makes it safe from your service provider or anybody actually. Hmm. Not sure what well, I'm asking. As far as outside attackers getting to a VPS, mm -hmm. because it's running Linux in the first place, it's a lot harder to do. Um, I believe I uh, in our chat group, I recommended fail to ban. Oh, yeah. It's very if useful. If you're running fail to ban, that does keep out a lot of attackers. You also have the firewalls. A lot of tools are there to help provide security from the outside world. Yeah, so so, uh, I guess the first thing is put up your firewall, and then mm -hmm. make sure your your remote login port is something that's not standard. <laughs> um, try a different. Um, don't put it on standard ports. Close out which is eighty by through the way. SSH. Yeah, just standard things. Yeah, so so that same thing as you said, research before you do, and I think a lot of um, service provider they actually have like the the more popular one. They actually have tutorial to tell you what to do um, to secure because they don't want your stuff to get hacked either, right? No, because they can be responsible for that if it's their fault. Right, and I notice I don't know if my own own VPS provider does that because mine is like super cheap. But I think I read one at least one or two places where they guarantee they're looking out for the DDoS attack. Am I saying that right? They they guard against DDoS attacks. Yes, that's done at the router level. Okay, so so if someone DDoS is is like someone is just pushing a lot of traffic on you, and mm -hmm. to stop other people from being able to visit your site, right? Yes. Okay, so that's, that's a good that's networking. Thing. Okay, so that's a that's good thing to have from your yes. service provider, and so the second question is VP. And on your own VPS. So when you mm -hmm. do that, you only have, you, you know, you're always coming wherever you visit and you're always, you would always be coming through uh, the same IP, only that it's not your home or office uh, ISP IPs. It's right? the service provider's pool of IPs that you'll be coming out of. Right, but you it'll be the same. It'll be the same when you buy when let's say I have a VPN on my own VPS, and I I have one only. So whenever I am on, I use that VPN. So people was like 
you know, uh, sites I visit will still know the IP. So how how is that better than? Because it's tied to the service provider, not you. So they're again, a public this company. Is... So they're a public company who's already known. They're already out there. You, on the other hand, they know nothing. They can't get anything on you. The traffic is encrypted all the way through. Now, if you give the website on the other side of the information, you have to trust the website you're coming out at. Right. So watch yourself. Where you watch where you're what you're doing. Um, yes. Because you may defeat the purpose of your VPN if you're giving your information on the other side to somebody that is selling it anyways. Yeah. So, so that's the, I think that's the, again, the confusion of being private and being anonymous, correct? Mm -hmm. When people are yes. saying that, because, because if they want to do something to you, they have to find the data first. Yes. Okay. And your VPN, if your internet service provider wants to know where you're going and what you're doing, they can't do that. Oh yeah, your 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 ISP also mm -hmm. can spy yeah. on you. Well, without a VPN, yes. With a VPN, they're kind of in the dark. Okay, so they only they would only know that you're you're going through the IP, right? They they right. would know that you're going to your VPN. But they well, they tell. would know that a VPN is in use, but they can't tell okay. what you're doing. They don't know where you're going. Right. Right. So that's a, that's a very good thing to, I, I know we're repeating that, but it's very confusing when I first started and noticing all these stuff. It's a popular subject. Right. So it's a the, very popular subject. Make sure you, you know the difference because otherwise you get really, you know, it's almost like, because I don't know enough, I am scared, but if you, you, you know, remind yourself being private is different than being anonymous. Mm -hmm. And that would clear up a lot of um, way when you think of what you want to do to secure your own data. It, you know, otherwise you, you get into a rabbit hole. Well, there's another one, too, of being getting away from big tech and their data collection and blocking out governments. That's two different things, too. Governments, we're not we're not sure what can stop them at all. So we don't we don't make that promise that hey, this is going to protect you from your government. It's we, we we can't make that promise. But can we stop big tech? We can sure can uh, do as much as possible about that. Yeah, and that's why I mean, like when you want to be anonymous, you a lot most of the time you're trying. You know, I'm thinking of some spy. <laughs> <laughs> trying to, you know, and, you know, not for everyday user, everyday user, you know, just, just protect your own data, not to have people profit on you. And especially not when you are not informed. Uh, oh, that's, that's the second side, data security. Mm -hmm. Data security is how well you store your information when it's on your stuff. Say it I again. keep your your data data security is how well your files and personal information are stored on your own equipment. 
say you have um, bills, bank statements, and things like that, those really shouldn't be kept on the computer at all. You should probably keep those on something like a thumb drive. Oh. Identifying information should be kept away from a computer as much as possible. Anything that's oh. considered sensitive that is digital should probably be encrypted. So even on Linux computer, you would do that? It's just a good extra measure. Interesting. I never thought of that. Um, the next time you look at a Linux install, there's an option called Lux. That encrypts the hard drive. Mm-hmm. And that encrypts the files within. Well, I, I, since I was, I'm a newbie and I don't know, like, uh, I may be a little uh, better than average user, but I'm not like, you know, expert user. So right. I didn't choose that because I, I'm not sure. And I wouldn't recommend problem. it for, for a new user. Okay. So my solution for that is is a thing called Vera Veracrypt. There which... are other there are other things you can do. Veracrypt, PGP. Yep. And, and there are just different ways to encrypt your files. Right, and so those those you could uh, uh, if you don't have an external uh, drive or you know stuff mm -hmm. like that, you could encrypt a folder. Yes. On Veracrypt. So that, that's a, an option. Just, you know, lots of, lots of ways to, to do this. And so uh, I think in general, computers are, you know, especially once you switch to Linux, it's, it's easier to keep your data private. More secure. So how about, and more secure too. Mm, let me think about this. Well, hmm. how about security versus anonymity? Because we talk about anonymity versus privacy. Well, that's anytime you go on the internet, that's that's where bets get get a little fuzzy. Mm -hmm. Security versus anonymity. I guess you know security I'm, to to general user is more like uh, make sure you have a good password. Don't give out your mm -hmm. username. Make sure you have different password for each account. Stuff like that. Is that yes? Would you say that's it? That's a good way of saying. On data security, yeah. Yeah. Because once you once you start entering information on the internet, <laughs> that that's when it, when when you start running into the issue. Yeah, and and you you can't really avoid that, you know. No. So so you have to trust whoever you're giving the information to. Yes. E even if you're on VPN. Um, now, if you want so, to stay truly anonymous on your system, you can do that. You just, just, just don't, don't put anything critical the, on there. Oh, I see. I see. 
Um, and so, but for the, um, how do I say this? So I guess it's harder, much harder to, to keep your cell phone data private. Oh, um, that's, that is a nightmare. Right, because it's not it's not as simple as as a computer. A computer, mm -hmm. you you most people would at least know what to do with it. The cell phone well, is like a mystery box. <laughs> very much so. A lot like, uh, there's a lot of closed source to it, such as the hardware, and then Google. What they will do is they add a service layer to the Android. And you don't know what's going on inside that service. And so I think we need to start from the basic. Um, and I have no idea. Of course, I know, like for I'm an iPhone, I have iPhone, and I know iPhone has has operating system on it. And I Terrible didn't, one. and my brain doesn't, like, somehow didn't make connection, but all the smartphone has a, has, operating systems um, and and they much like the operating system on your computer it it leaves open doors back doors and stuff and phones um, are phones are hard but we can't we can make a serious effort with them we can but right. there's there are certain things that cannot be cannot be dealt with and that's the carrier the carrier records every phone call. It's, it's law. Okay. So there oh. will be there will be some bottlenecks with them. <laughs> so, oh my God! So what can one do? I mean, with with that, with just specifically to your carrier, um, I, is there anything we can do? Well, if you've got voice apps such as Telegram has an encrypted protocol that you can contact another person that's in your contact list and you can have an encrypted conversation over it. So avoid a straight phone call. Yeah, if you really, if, you know, and if you're trying to avoid the carrier, yes. But if you're saying something that probably should not be recorded, It's a gray area. <laughs> so, but so, that also comes down to how paranoid are you? <laughs> I am pretty paranoid, but not to that point because I, I, well, first of all, I don't usually talk on cell phone. Um, and, you know, the only time I talk on cell phone, unfortunately, is with like banks or businesses that I have questions for. So, but those... a lot of what's being, oh, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. What I was going to say is the amount of phone usage that a lot of people find themselves in these days are not always about phone calls, though. It's more about the apps, the texting, and just the general entertainment center that a phone has become. It's not just the phone calls. Right. And, and that's why I was looking for a dumb phone. <laughs> and so and I didn't realize how expensive they are it, it was like 200 to 400 dollars 
and, and yeah, and when I look at it, I'm kind of like, well, I want a thumb phone, but that seems just weird because I'm paying that much money. Well, your for... iPhone costs how much? Oh, that's, iPhone that's is crazy. Lot. Yeah. But still, I mean, I remember dumb phone as in, in in the days when it's like 20, 30 bucks, you know? Well, what, what ended up happening for someone I know is they, her old phone was 3G, so she had to get rid of it because they no longer support 3G. Right. Free upgrade. Used that free upgrade to buy the dumb phone. Yeah, I I don't have that. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. And the and the dumb phone that I found that's that's reasonable, like under a hundred dollar or fifty dollars. They they're tied to the the cell phone cell. Uh, how do you say that? Cellular provider. You know, mm-hmm. like. So I don't know if that's a good idea. But I don't know. I mean, it's, when it comes to cell phone, it's so painful. It's so many things to think about. Um, it, even if I just want a dumb phone. So, it, well, you the, know, dumb, but... the dumb phone is a lot less spying. A lot less. Because most of the information that gets pulled out of smartphones, I know we just talked about the carrier, but the yeah. real danger here is Google. Oh. And how much th- that phone on Google, it will will pull up about 19 megs every time it calls home. Calls home 19 megabytes of information every time it reports back to its servers. Which is Google. Uh, The Play Store. Yes. The Play Store in an Android phone. Okay. So... And and that, that phone contacts Google multiple times a day what is so big in there what what are they gathering from you (laughs) i don't know i i so far don't have a regular android phone i do have an iphone um and and i have reasons to keep it but usually it's not in use and it's in a box somewhere yes Yes. (laughs) so you know, just so people know, your your apps are are giving out your information. I I don't oh, know. The phone has a multitude of sensors. Yeah. They can take your heartbeat. They can know who's near you. Even they if you don't have position. those apps, they know on. where they are on Earth. Even if you don't have them on. Even if you don't have related apps on right they they was they Correct. could still because you don't sta- know what on a standard android phone yes because you don't know what their operating system is doing you don't know what's inside um right well android is open source but the ser- google service layer is not oh okay and so uh before we get into that, the it's, it's, I noticed that I thought a dumb phone would be a flip phone, but flip phones are smartphones too now. Yes, they are. They, they, well, 
the one that I found for that, for, for the person I was talking about, mm-hmm. it is a dumb phone. It can only text and it can only receive phone calls. That's pretty much it. Okay, because I was reading, I was looking through some specs, and there's a thing called Kai OS. Mm-hmm. Okay, and those are not from the states. Um, I don't think they're open source either. Probably not, but most of our phone technologies come from China. Okay, so so even if you're flip, but it could also be Taiwan as well. Right. I've been noticing a trend that everything is marked made in China, even though it could be made in Taiwan. In- oh, hmm, interesting. <laughs> um, so for flip phones, um, I, I guess if you have no ability to put to to get apps from Google, you're probably mm-hmm. better off, right? On a dumb phone, yes. On a smartphone, there are alternatives if you've de-googled it. Can so can any? You can't de-google just any phone, right? No, only any? certain models have the ability. The carriers and certain cell phone manufacturers will work against you. Right. Like let's say if you de-google that you can't make your same work anymore is that what you're saying no um a phone that has ever been on verizon they will lock it so you can't change the operating system so it can't be de-googled at&t does the same thing t-mobile seems to be better about it but it's not a guarantee with them and then you have a the cell phone manufacturer samsung they use they have their own programs called Samsung Pay, so they like to make it hard to de-Google their phones too. Mm-hmm. Because they want you using their services. Right. And same thing, same thing with with uh, iPhone. Yes. Oh so, iPhone is just terribly locked up. You can't change it, you can't sideload <laughs> apps, you can't do anything with it. You're stuck. <laughs> And if Apple decides that it doesn't want you to have something, you're just out of luck. Yeah. And so so how does one... Huh? So what are the options right now? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there is Linux phone um, to, for, to de-Google. There um, are actually quite a few options. Okay. There are four degoogled operating systems we use. One is called Graphene OS, Calyx OS, Lineage OS, and eFoundations. These are the four degoogled ones. So and then you have the op- a true Linux system. option. Yes, they okay. are the operating system. Uh-huh. And then there's the true Linux phones. Uh, never Pine had phone, anything else on it. Not a thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. And they're hard to work with. Most people who have been used to an iPhone and Windows and all that will look at a Linux phone and they will not know how to use it. It's it's hard. Mm-hmm. Because it's just basically a mini computer in your hand. A lot of people do not find that very comfortable to use daily. Mm-hmm. 
but if you really want to go that step, you can. Yes, there are two. two there are tons of operating system choices there. Oh, so you could put anything on it, uh, anything yes. Linux on it. Well, well, they're they're mobile mobile OS distros, is what they are. But it's 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 from what I saw. I mean, I can I feel totally comfortable, even though mm-hmm. it took me a, a few months of research before I actually switched uh, my my you know my play computer my desk mm-hmm. my uh, laptop over to Linux. But when it comes to phone, I'm kind of like I, I don't know if I if I have the energy. <laughs> to deal with this <laughs> it's 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 like much harder to understand and so this is this is why we've always recommended doing the computer first it's a lot easier and then right. we work into the phones once people are comfortable we try and work into the phone because they are a more complicated task and failure on a phone can lead to tears and frustration because <laughs> they are sensitive little devices. But that's yeah, why I, the tech garage exists to talk people through that. To, okay. to date, we've never lost a phone. Oh, wow. Cool. Because usually when it, there's a term called soft bricking. And we've had people do that. They have soft bricked their phones and we can always get them to restore them back to factory. And then they can try their degoogling again. And it, it can be a frustrating process to do, but it's a rewarding one when it's finally done. Yeah, and I'm one of those um, people who can't, like, because I have other things that I would much rather do. <laughs> and we, 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 we got that, too. We have service providers who can do it for you. So, uh, Dale, I see that we passed an hour. So um, why don't we leave the topic of how to use a D-Google or Linux phone next time? That would be great. It's a complicated subject. Probably take an hour just on its own. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it takes more than that. So uh, we'll chat more next time then. All right. We'll see you next time. This has been Green Fossible. Thank you for listening. Your host, I, signing off.